you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. Anybody glad the Lord brought you out one day? Turned your life around? My, my, my. He's good to us. 1 Kings chapter 18. Before I read, I guess I also have to say, as bad as I hate to admit it, this is the last Sunday night for Chelsea to be with us until March of next year. And uh, she's going to Kenya, world traveler. And uh, I, I told her in Lebanon that I expected her to come back here single, that she better not come back with some tall, dark, and handsome guy from Kenya wanting to steal her and take her back to Kenya. We're going to keep her here. In Jesus' name. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then go ahead and follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah unto the people. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it to pieces and lay it on wood and put it under, put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call you on the name of your gods. Notice the little G gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire let him be God and all the people answered and said it is well spoken by the help of the Lord tonight I am going to preach a pretty simple, straightforward message. And if you'll help me, I won't preach too long tonight. Choose your God. Choose your God. Lord, we need your help tonight. We need the strength and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost tonight. I pray your power and your blessings upon us. Do what only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. The problem at hand was obvious. 
For 585 years, the nation of Israel had vacillated in their desire for God. They had divided minds, divided emotions, divided loyalties. They couldn't make up their mind if they were going to serve Jehovah God or if they were going to serve one of the many idols that were available to them to worship. The prescription was optional. Elijah challenged them, if you're going to follow after Jehovah God, then I want you to go ahead and follow him. But if you're going to follow after Baal, then follow him. But the issue at hand that I want to point out into your hearing tonight is that Elijah really was telling them either serve Jehovah God or serve Baal, but stop mixing the two together. God wanted them to stop synchronizing the beliefs that they had in Jehovah God and the beliefs of the common world in which they were living of serving idols and the issue here was really not resolved worldwide. It was resolved in our text as the God that answered by fire was to be God, but this same issue existed and has existed since the beginning of time. We can watch what has happened in the religious world and among religious believers that they have always seemed to try to not be determined of who will be God. And even in the church world today, they still struggle with who is God. That's why the Nicene Council in 325 A.D. tried to blend religions I'm going to preach a little strong tonight to you, but I want to tell you that we live in a world that wants to blur the lines of everything in the Word of God and come up with some non-committed, I preached about it this morning, some non-committed, non-doctrinal blend of let's get a little bit from this faith and a little from that faith and a little from this denomination and a little from this organization and a little from this fellowship and let's blend them all together and try to come up with something that will appease the people. But Elijah declares unto them, I, I want you to stop this blending and mixing of beliefs between Jehovah God and the pagan beliefs of worship toward other gods. Joshua stood before the nation of Israel and challenged them. And when he did, he looked out to the crowd of people that were around him and declares, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I like those definitive answers. 
I like those answers when it comes from the head of the household that declares, as for me and my house. The prophet of God looks at the people of that day and says to them, I want you to choose, but you're going to stop vacillating between uh, not making up your mind. Either, either Jehovah God is going to be your God or either you're going to serve Baal. So now on Mount Carmel, Elijah stands and commands to them, my point that I'm wanting to make that Elijah was making so clearly is he said, I want you to wholly follow Jehovah God. Or I want you to wholly follow Baal. That's not H-O-L-Y, that's W-H. Totally. I want you to totally follow Jehovah or totally follow Baal. But the issue is I want you to make a decision. Quit being lukewarm. This is what he's telling them. Stop with the lukewarm, mediocre, blended religion. I'm calling you to choose your God. My word for the church tonight is I want you to very clearly understand if we're not careful, we will get caught up where the world was in that day. We will bring so many different things and blend them in with our worship of God that if we're not careful, it won't even resemble Bible worship of God. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and tell him, choose your God. America has been plagued with fake news and fake gods. Sex and materialism and power seem to dom dominate the world in which we live. You've got to choose your God. In just a brief, quick look of the last 100 years of society in America, in the 1920s it was education. It was their God. The 1930s was known by its God being economics and the 40s was world politics and the 50s was science and the 60s was sociology and sex and the 60s and the 70s was unrestraint and rebellion and the 80s God was greed and money. The 90s, it was possessions and materialism. And the 2000s, it was entertainment and pleasure. In 2010s, it was social media and acceptance. And today's society has still yet for the history books to say what will be said of this generation. Or who or what will this generation worship as their God? The Bible declares that there was a generation that arose who knew not their God, nor did they remember His marvelous works. I pray we have enough God-fearing people 
and enough God-fearing young people. As a matter of fact, I'm not here tonight to preach a message to you of gloom and despair, but I want to honor our young people and our children's ministry and our youth ministry and student ministries for doing a great job. I look out here tonight, many young people I see that was here this morning and back here tonight and some at all three services. Look up here on these front rows and scattered throughout this audience tonight. Young people that are saying, as for me and my future, I'm going to serve the Lord. Don't get caught up vacillating and wondering what is it. I tell you what it is. We're going to reverse the peer pressure around here. You want to know what's cool? Serving God is cool. If you want to be somebody, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to serve God. As for me and my group, we're going to serve them. That's what these young people are saying. What are the gods of this generation? The Bible says that he is a jealous God and that he will not share his glory with any other gods. As a matter of fact, the foundational commandments of mankind was very straightforward when it put when it came to where God was to rate among the other gods. For the scripture says that the commandment was to put no other God's before Him. If we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, we will allow little gods to slide into our home. If we're not careful, we'll allow little gods to slip into our home and our family. Little gods will begin to, 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 uh, show up in our schedule and all oh, it becomes a priority my, my time of prayer no longer becomes a priority but the God of my hobbies mm. don't leave tonight and say pastor preached against hobbies I have hobbies I enjoy them everybody needs them but anything that you do can become a God if we're not careful sports can become a God if we're not careful, shopping can become a God. Fishing and hunting can become a God. Basketball and baseball can become a God. Eating can become a God. Oh, you don't want me to preach like that, do you? You can put, make all sorts of things God. You can make friends your God. You can make hanging out your God. If you're not careful, you can put, make all sorts of things in your life your God. I'm not here tonight to preach against the things that we do. I'm here tonight to tell us to take a close look at our priority. And when we walk out of this building tonight, I don't want us to walk out wondering, well, what are all the gods that dominate my life? I want us to walk out this building tonight declaring, there is but one God in my life and his name is Jesus he is the beginning and the ending the first and the last he is everything in my life I don't, I don't want to put anything else ahead of my God have your hobbies God bless you 
play your sport, do your thing, do your shopping, do whatever it is that you enjoy doing. You go and do it, do it and enjoy it. Use family time, recreational time. Doesn't mean that you're putting it ahead of God until you do. But the moment that it becomes the priority and I don't have time to pray, I don't have time to go to church, I don't have time to be faithful, all I've got time to do is to serve my little God, to put this little God that I put into my life. But I come tonight to tell you that we're going to have to put that little God back in its place. We're going to have to denounce that God as becoming the permanent preeminent figure in my life. We're going to have to put that God behind us and declare that Jesus Christ is first in my life and he will not compete with anything else. The frightening thing is that this generation is consumed with many things. Never has there been a time that video games and technology has been so prevalent. We were laughing a few days ago as we were making a quick tour through the campus and showing someone the campus and they were walking and texting and we were talking and we have glass doors you guessed it they tried to walk through the glass door it's the it's the generation we live in it's the world we live in i go in restaurants and look around and notice people sitting with their family and all of them have out their phones doubt they're texting one another Drive down the road, I look over and my wife's got a game. Hey babe, what you want to talk about? Let's talk about something. What you want to talk about? I usually reply with let's talk about me. It's the world we live in. We become dominated by so many things in our life. If I was to ask you tonight to sit down and make a list of the things that dominate your time. Social media. Video games. Sports. Mm. Quiet in here now. What are the things that dominate your life? While we complain that we don't have time. To read our Bible. We don't have time to go to a small group Bible study. We don't have time to show up to church on Wednesday. We don't have time to pray a little every day with our family. We don't, we're, we're too dominated by other gods. Mm. We're consumed with too many things. My question tonight is what are you making the priority? What are you putting first in your life? Because I'm going to tell you when you truly seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all the other things that you're looking for in life and living for in life will be added unto you. Because my Bible said when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all the other things will be added. 
What is it that's going to be said of your life? What is it that's going to be said of your friends? What is it that what, what are people going to say? If you if somebody had to walk uh, walk up tonight and talk about you and say, let, let me tell you what I know about them. What is it that's going to be the central focal point of the conversation regarding your life? What have you made a priority? What have you put first in your life? What do people see in you when they see you? What do they know about you? What will be said of your life? Or what will be said of this generation? Or what will be said of this church? Will the God of heaven and earth be the choice for this generation? What will be said of this generation? Will it be the gods of this world that are dominating this generation? Or will it be Jehovah God is the central focal point? I want to announce to you tonight that Jesus Christ is the answer for the world today. He didn't just start being the answer, but he's been the answer for a very long time. But the church has even made other things a priority over Jesus being the priority. But I'm going to tell you when America will have a turnaround, it's going to start with the church having a turnaround. When we decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When the church decides that Jesus is going to be the center focal point of their life, then the world might get the revelation. Our God is the only God that can answer in this generation. Oh, pastor, people need all these other things in their life. No, you want them in your life. They're creature comforts. They're pacifiers. Mm. When that baby's got a pacifier in its mouth, There's no nutrition. It's just passing the time until the bottle comes. But when the baby gets hungry, it spits out the pacifier and starts screaming because there's no nourishment in the pacifier. Mm-hmm. The gods of this world are nothing but pacifiers. You don't need them. You want them. You don't have to have them to survive. Jesus is all I need. We used to sing, he's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He supplies all of my every need. He will meet every need. I want you to know that the only thing you need in your life is Jesus. Everything else is the bonus. So if I understand the scripture correctly, in which I believe that I do, that if we make Jesus and put Jesus first in our life, all of the other things that we desire and have will come along. They'll they'll be there. We'll have the blessing and the benefits of other things in our life. But when you try to make the pacifier the main thing, I know no better explanation. There's no, there's the, 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 the gods of this world doesn't have an answer. All they are is a pacifier. 
Well, people need to feel like they've got something to worship. You can worship whatever you want. Today, all over the country, favorite football teams are playing. I kind of enjoy a little football myself. But I'm going to tell you something. At the end of the day, who wins and loses is not very important. It isn't going to change my paycheck. It isn't going to change my, my day tomorrow. I'm not going to have a bad day no matter who wins and who loses. If I want to go see them, I can spend a bunch of money. If you want to go, you go ahead on. You go do what you want to do. But I'm going to tell you that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You can get there and scream and yell. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to play like they're going to play. At the end of the day, they're going to come out winners and somebody's going to come out losers. It's about 50-50. But the real losers are all those in the stands. Because you come out poor. And the few men down on the field come out a little wealthier. Because they can fill those grandstands up with about 80,000 people. And all that money gets funneled down to about, you know, 100 or so that's down on the lower field. I'm preaching to you tonight. You can make them your God if you want to. They can become your hero. You can know all of their stats. There's nothing wrong with it. Go ahead. I enjoy a little football myself. I usually don't pay much attention to it until it gets over about Super Bowl time. And if one of my teams is close, you know, in the running, I start paying a little more attention. But my point that I'm making tonight is you've got to have control of those things. I wish I had a few more amens from the, you know, from, I don't need an organ making up those amens. I wish I had some elders in the church that give me a big strong amen tonight. There's a lot of things we can make gods out of and there's a lot of things we can do that won't offend God. But I'm going to tell you the moment that you take anything in your life and you start making it God, it starts being, your schedule starts being built. Mm-hmm. Let me give you some pointers. You ought to start building your schedule around your prayer time. You ought to start building your schedule around your... When you read the book of Daniel, I find Daniel got up in the morning and he prayed. Then he went on about his other business. And then at noontime, he prayed. And then he went on about his business. And in the evening, he prayed. And all that's documented is about his prayer time. Mm. I don't know much about what filled in the blanks, but I do know that it was important enough that his prayer time made the pages. What's making the pages of your life? What is the God of your life? What is dominating your life? Is it where I'm going or is it who I'm serving? I want what you can fill in the blank with the other things, but I want Jehovah God, Jesus Christ the righteous, to be the center of my life. I want to put him first in everything that I do. Because he's the only one that has an answer for this hour. 
the heroes of this day don't have answers. Elijah stood fearlessly mocking the prophets of Baal. Earlier we read where Elijah prayed that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. I wasn't sure my dad wasn't feeling well today. I wasn't sure that he was going to be here. I wanted him to be here tonight just because I wanted you to, I wanted to authenticate the story in which that I'm about to share with you. But my dad pastored in a much different era of pastoral leadership and authority than we pastors of this day. I, I recall, I, I could call names that wouldn't mean anything to you, but I could call the names of families who made their living by, by truck farming. And they, they had a little farm, and I remember going over, they had a little grocery store out front, people, and that day I was a child in that area, and in that day they, they made a living however they could. And I remember the families, the, if I was to connect the dots for you tonight to try to put it in perspective, it was the Loggins family and the, 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 um, it was the, the, the Oliver family and the Loggins family and the Fuller family. These families were all kind of connected together. And, and so if I was to talk to you a little bit about some of the things and, that I saw as a kid growing up, but I remember that they went through a season of drought in Texas and they were relying on the crops from the fields and they were relying on those crops to... To, to be able to put food on the table and to be able to move forward. These were faithful people of God, and they, they didn't know what else to do. And uh, they called on my dad. He was the pastor, and they called on him, and they said, Brother Jordan, um, if we don't get rain in the next few days, we're going to lose everything, and we don't know what we're going to do. And the Spirit of the Lord came over my father, and he said, I don't really know anything more than the Spirit of the Lord came over me. And he said, I said, by tomorrow this time, it's going to rain. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was no forecast of rain. He said, by tomorrow this time, it's going to rain. Go ahead and plan on it. Your crops will not be lost. Well, I know you're waiting for me to tell you what happened. But about noon the next day, it clouded up and come a rain. And it didn't rain all over the state of Texas. It rained right where those folks lived. And it watered their entire, that entire region there, that little community that we lived in. That rainstorm blew up, came across the lake, came right through there. It rained right over that. Nobody in surrounding counties got any water just right through there because a man of God was moved on by the Holy Ghost. It was the era in which they live. I understand that people reverenced and respected enough and and, and dad walked in the authority of being able to declare it's going to come rain tomorrow by this time and by this time tomorrow the rain came but we live in a day and an age now in which people look to every other every other area of the world but I go back to looking when Elijah came and he actually began to mock the prophets of Baal and he prayed first of all he prayed and for three years and six months after Elijah prayed it did not rain because he prayed that rain wouldn't come. People today have no respect nor any fear of God. 
It didn't rain for three and a half years because the man of God prayed. And then he came and he prayed again. And when he prayed again, heaven gave forth rain. James chapter 5 said, And the earth bore forth, brought forth or bore forth its fruit. I want you to understand something tonight. There is authority when you walk with God and know who your God is. You will walk in an authority. When you vacillate between opinions and you aren't sure who you're going to serve today and what's going to be the hero in your life tomorrow, you may not have the authority you have. But when you get up every day and declare, that's for me in my house, you can watch that man of God. He's going to be walking in authority with God. He's going to be able to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He's going to be able to speak to a mountain in your life and it's going to be removed. We need some Elijahs to rise. Rise up in this generation and declare when I speak a word, I expect it to come to pass. I only find, I find about three things when you pray. There's about three things I want to leave with you tonight and then we'll, then we'll go home and race and see who can get to the restaurant first. It's about three things I want you. You can expect three things when you pray. When you know who your God is, you can expect three things. Sometimes God will, you will pray for something sometimes and God doesn't answer. And and you can throw a hissy fit. But sometimes when you pray, the answer is no. The Bible said there are times when you pray that you will ask amiss. In other words, you are asking the wrong thing. You think it's the right thing, I understand, but you're not God. And so sometimes the answer is no. I should have asked you, baby, if I could could share this story because it's not about you. It was about another girl I dated. I was dating. I was dating a young lady. She was a nice young lady, fine young lady, and still is. Fine young lady. My wife knows her and is friends with her. I was dating her, and I remember we went to camp meeting one night. Her family was there. Her dad was pastor of the church where I attended. That's right. I was dating the pastor's daughter. And I said, if it's all right, we're going to go so-and-so, and he had always been good with it. It never I don't know that he had ever said no. And he just looked at me that night and he said, No, uh, y'all can go eat with us tonight. Okay. So we went and ate with them. So later that night, we're sitting there, and I'm, of course, Being of the makeup that I am, it's spinning through my mind. What have I done? How have I offended? What wrong thing have I done? And so finally, before we left the restaurant, I eased over to him and I said, I just got to ask you a question. You wouldn't allow us to go out tonight. And so I want to ask you a question. Did did we do something wrong? Are you upset about something? He said, no, absolutely not. He said, but for several months, every time you've asked to do something, I've said yes. And so tonight, I just decided to say no. (laughs) And I just wanted to see how you were going to accept a no. 
Because if you're going to date my daughter, sometimes the answer may be no. Lesson learned. See, sometimes when God says no, we get upset. We get offended. But I'm going to tell you tonight, baby, that the Lord of the universe is under no obligation to say yes to you just because it's what you want. And that's a good thing because particularly considering some of the things that we request. But sometimes God says no to our most heartfelt request and we get upset at God and we can't understand why God is not answering our prayer. I'm going to try to help you understand. You may have been praying a long time for something that is not the will or plan or mind of God for your life and God is simply saying no. The writer put it best when he put it into song. And I don't have the voice to say it, to sing it tonight. But if I did, it would, there, there's just a line. I, I'll, try to, I'll try to sing it for you. <clears throat> he knows what's best for me. Although I cannot see. Still I will say, thank you, Lord. I won't complain. See, sometimes you're looking for God to say yes, and he's saying no. Not because I'm against you, but because I love you too much to let you have what you're asking for. Because there's some things that you ask God for that you can't handle. There's some folks that ask God for a financial blessing, but they're not faithful with what they have. And the Lord said, if you can't handle the small things, you're never going to be ruler over anything more. I'm going to try you with this. I'm going to try you with a Bible study. If you can't handle a Bible study, I'm certainly not going to give you anything more. I'm going to see if you can just show up to church and be faithful before I... God is not obligated just because you throw a temper tantrum, get upset at God and complain to everybody that I've been praying for a long time and not understand. There are some things that God chooses because He knows what's best. And when you can't see it and we're wanting a yes, God, He has an answer and His answer is no. But now sometimes, this is the second point. I am getting closer to my close. Sometimes he plans to say yes, but right now it seems like a no because he is saying, you've got to wait. Someday you're going to be ready for it, but right now is not the time. This week I was talking to somebody, Dylan. He said, Dad, I'm not very good with this patience thing. I said, be careful about praying for patience, son. Because God can teach you patience in a way that you don't want to, you don't want to have to learn. But sometimes God's weight appears to be a no. And so 
you think, well, I've trusted God, but he's not answering, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. We want immediate prayers answered. God simply doesn't work that way. He's not a genie in the bottle. Sometimes he says, I'm going to answer, but I'm waiting until the very last moment. I'm waiting for the stroke of midnight to come. I'm waiting until you don't have any other options. Sometimes he's waiting for you to learn your lesson because while everybody else thinks that you're this, he says, I see the very thought and intent of your heart and I know that I can't trust you. Proverbs chapter 3 says we got to learn to trust the Lord and to lean not to our own understanding because if we lean to our own understanding, our own understanding said, well, I prayed about it and God didn't answer. And so now I'm going to go ahead and take a step of faith, a step of faith against the plan of God. It's not a step of faith at all. It's a step of rebellion. We've got to define between the two. Sometimes God is saying, you wait. I got a day for you. I got a moment for you, but it's not right now. But when you learn your lesson, when you go through it and, and you've been tried by fire and I put everything in you, then I'm going to go ahead and let you have your answer. All right. All right. Then, then there are times... That God says, yes, right now. You can have your healing right now. I will deliver you right now. You can go ahead and count on it. The check is in the mail. And when God says that, it's done. But the issue is, the defining issue between wait and now may very well be our attitude. Because sometimes our attitude is, he said yes, Woo, isn't it great, isn't life good? God said yes, God says wait. I'll make a pact with you. If you sing, where's all the choir and music leaders? Where you at? Lift your hand. I want to see all of you. I know you're over there, Dylan. I'll make a pact with you. If you sing and I sit like a bump on the log, when I preach, you sit like a bump on the log. Pastor just gave you permission. When you're singing and leading, if I'm not worshiping and magnifying the Lord with you, when I get up to preach, you go ahead and sit like a bump on a log. But I tell you what, if I worship with you all three services and it comes time to preach and you think I'm doing a bad job, why don't you just go ahead and step up and act like the pastor's doing all right? Because this is the deal. It's not really about me. It's about him. So because you hit a bad note every now and then, I'm out here at the front. I'm writing the speaker. Sometime I go, woo, that was sour. I mean, when I'm visiting other churches. What am I doing? What am I talking about? 
My Lord, I'm getting myself in trouble up here. The issue is, is we can shout and dance when God says yes, but when God says wait, we fail to remember he's working everything for our good. That means you ought to have the same worship and the same praise. Or when God says no, he's saying no for your own good. Mm-hmm. Some of you elders know what I'm talking about. You prayed and asked God for that one, and he said, that's not the one for you. I'm going to give you another one. And now 30, 40, 50 years later, you're looking around saying, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Have you seen him? Yeah, I'm right where you're living tonight, but I came to tell you that some of you need to say thank God for what he didn't answer. Thank God when he said no because he was working it out for my good. My point is you got to praise him and worship him when he says no. you got to praise him and worship him when he says yes. you got to praise him and worship him when he said wait because your attitude may well be the distinctive difference. You need to choose who your God is. Is it Am I my own God that I can only worship when I feel like it and when everything is good? Or is he alive and on the throne on the worst day of my life? Come on, some of you have been praying prayers that you want God to answer. I'm done preaching tonight, but I dare you to engage into a few moments of worship saying, thank you, God, for telling me no. Thank you, God, for telling me wait. Thank you, God, for every time you said yes. But I'm not going to resist you because you know and you're working it all out for my good. Anybody in the house been, been just wondering, I can't figure it all out. I pray, he says yes, and I pray, and he says no, and it's important to me, and I can't figure it out. I've tried to help you a little bit tonight, and if you picked up anything that I'm preaching tonight, I'm just telling you that you need to learn to be a praiser and a worshiper. You need to have a good spirit and a good attitude on every day of your life. You need to choose who your God is. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, who's in the courthouse, or who's in my house. All that matters is that he is alive and on the throne. It is his kingdom. My kingdom, his kingdom's not of this world. And my kingdom is not of this world. But I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Come on, CLC. we got to start praising and worshiping like we know that he is God. And he's God all by himself. You've been asking God for something tonight. I dare you to put some praise out on it. I dare you to step out tonight and say, you know what? I'm not asking him for anything. I'm just going to praise him and worship him. God, if my answer is here tonight, thank you for it. If my answer's next week, next month, or next year, I'm going to thank you for it. If my answer's no, I'm going to thank you for it because you got a better plan in mind all alone. But at the end of the day, he's alive and on the throne. He is my God. I am his son. And I'm going to let him be God in my life and Lord over everything. I want this music team to 
to just tune up here for a minute because we're going to sing and we're just going to worship God. This is personal worship. You worship the way you feel like worshiping. If you want to weep, you weep. You want to dance, you dance. You want to clap your hands, clap your hands. But whatever you do, I want your praise to tell him you're in charge. You're on the throne. You're the Lord of my life. You're ruling over everything. My disappointment is just temporary. Someday I'm going to look back and realize and know, God, you were working it out for my good. Come on, we got to stop vacillating between I feel good, I worship. I don't feel good, I want. Good things are happening in my life. I'm going to be on cloud nine. Things go bad, I'm going to sit on my hands and frown. Come on, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Come on, worship the Lord for a little while tonight.